to Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm Bea Eggard. And throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Kim Ozano, and I'm here with my co-host for this series, Dr. Akinola Oluwoli. How are you today, Akin? And remind us about your background. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I'm happy to be on this podcast. I'm fine. So my name is Akinola Oluwoli, and I'm from Nigeria. I have a background in zoology, astrology, epidemiology, and recently I've been much interested in health system strengthening using the social science um, methodologies to understand transmission and control of diseases. Thanks, Akin. It's nice to see you again. Today's episode will be building on last week's episode where we heard about a really interesting, useful and practical toolkit that had a whole host of methods of participatory health research. Uh, Shireen Amato told us uh, about the toolkit and how it can be used. And this week, we were going to explore two methods in a bit more detail. And we have guests with us, Lorette and Noella, who are going to help us explore these two methods, which are transect walks and social mapping. So welcome, Lorette and Noella. Lorette, tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, everybody. My name is Lorette Lar. I am a medical doctor with public health specialty, but recently I've been involved and very interested in qualitative research that uses innovative methods to link communities and the health systems. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lorette. Noella, can we hear a bit about yourself? Okay. I've been working on the countdown project as a um, social scientist. Uh, we use participatory methods to communicate and engage with the community. Thanks very much, Noella. So we will uh, get into the podcast now and start with our uh, usual questions that we ask researchers who join us. So can one of you give us a brief overview of the project that these methods have been used in? Okay, thank you, everybody. The Countdown Project is a multidisciplinary and a multi-country um, implementation research project that was led by the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine and implemented here in Nigeria by Sightsavers. Sightsavers is an international, non-governmental development organization. Now, the main aim of this project was to reduce the morbidity poverty and mortality associated with neglected tropical diseases, otherwise known as NTDs. We realized from our situational analysis that there is a gap between community engagement and program implementation in neglected tropical diseases. Therefore, we decided to use innovative methods like transect walks and social mappings to try and bridge the gap. So in a nutshell, that is the summary of our project. Thank you. Thanks very much. And Noella, I wonder if you could tell us, um, you're based in Nigeria, and I think you're going to talk about the methods in the context of Nigeria today. Can you tell us some of the key considerations that you've had to think about to connect with your research with people and communities? Because first of all, we look at the demographics, we look at the social economy, the language, the culture of the people in Nigeria to see the kind of, um, to map out the kind of activities or kind of engage, how to engage people that 
will involve people that have been missed in the past, especially like women, so that, you know, in, in, in Nigeria, the context, uh, we look at different cultures where there are some restrictions in some areas. So we all looked at these areas to see that people um, participate you know, in the research um, projects to ensure equity and also make it a very participatory engagement. Noella, could you just talk to us about some of those restrictions that, that might prevent or uh, over, you present barriers that need to be overcome so that people can connect with the research? So for example, there are some areas, for example, in the northern states in Nigeria, where women may not be allowed to interact with men, you know, and there are some areas where strangers will not just be allowed to come into the community. So we had to look at that to see the ways where we could get in touch with the gatekeepers to ensure that we are welcome in those communities and then so that we can have um, a meaningful um, project. Thanks, Noella. It's really interesting that last week in our episode, gatekeepers came up as a real important consideration in the different contexts where the toolkit was um, kind of uh, had methods that were used. Uh, Lorette, would you like to add to the, the context in Nigeria and, and anything around um, considerations that you, you really had to think through or any challenges you had working in the context? Okay, thank you, Kim. Usually in Nigeria, um, the communities are usually left behind in program implementation. You see, the norm has been the top-bottom approach where the voices of the communities are not really heard. So we looked at this and we considered um, kind of changing the narrative to have an all-inclusive bottom-up approach. And usually marginalized populations such as women, you know, the uh, people at the migrant communities, people that live at the borders, and people with disabilities are usually left out. So in terms of equality and equity and getting an all-inclusive participatory um, voice to our research, we decided to take this different approach, considering these different um, uh, complexities in our own environment. Thank you. Thanks, Lorette. Just briefly, the, you mentioned border communities as marginalized populations. What are some of the challenges with those border communities? What do you mean by border communities? Okay, usually communities that lie between two different um, countries. It's quite difficult, especially when there's a census with medicines. People can move in and out. You've done a census on one part and you're accounting for this number of people in order to meet a certain target or coverage. And then that movement of fluidity that you can't really control accounts for either drug shortages, medicines shortages, or you can't really get to the people that actually need them because of that transborder movement. Thank you very much, Kim. So my first question, then we'll be going to Noella. Please, Noella, can you tell, tell me more, tell us more about the method you have been going to present today? What does it involve? What are the steps you went into doing this? And how did you engage with the community? Thank you, Aki. So today I'll be talking about the transfer work, a very interesting community engagement method, which um, we engage community members. So this, the transfer work is a work uh, in the community through a major place or location or a route 
in a community where we engage community, different sets of um, people. We have community leaders, we have women, we have um, women leaders, leaders of community-based organizations, bringing them together. So the aim is for them to collaborate, to suggest um, meaningful structures that could be used for planning. For example, we engage, we engage them to to tell us about meaningful structures that will be used for mass administrations of medicines for the neglected tropical diseases disease elimination program. So they're able to suggest um, structures like places of worship and all that. Uh, let me talk about what transfer work means before I come to that. So when we got to the community, we met the gatekeepers to, to introduce ourselves. And these gatekeepers took us to the community leaders, that's the community stakeholders, where we informed them about our project and the aim why we, we came there to uh, engage with them. So we talked, we talked about the transfer, we told them what it's all about, we signed consent, we, we, sorry, they gave us their consent, which was signed before we engaged in the activity. So these people actually volunteered to join us in this um, activity. We didn't force anybody, we just informed them about the transfer work and they agreed. I think they found it also very interesting. This is going to be through a major route in their community. They suggested these major places or routes for us. So before we, we began the activity, we, we all suited ourselves in a major place and then we began the work. We as researchers just followed them while they told us about the different structures, um, that could be used for sensitization, that could be used for mass drug administration, places where have never been, been used before. For example, um, places where um, you could meet a lot of women, because sometimes in the past, women are sometimes missed at home when drugs are distributed. So they were able to mention these uh, such places where we could meet a lot of people, where we could meet youths who are maybe sometimes not at home, places of work, uh, religious places, and all that. So this was a very interesting um, method. So the people that were involved, I said earlier, we had community leaders, religious leaders. We also had females, like women leaders, uh, leaders of uh, market to um, women. We also have community-based organization leaders. So it was interesting to see how these people were able, they're often from the same community, how they were able to interact together. Some didn't even know that, oh, this place could be used for this purpose. But participation, everybody was uh, able to air their um, suggest places, talk about these. And also, it was also a form of an awareness. Even other community members were eager to know what was happening. Some even joined us, by the way, um, to know more about the project. So it became a sort of an awareness and an advocacy to people to know that this kind of project is ongoing. And they were happy that they were involved in this um, project. Wow, that is excellent. It's interesting to know that initially we always think about work is all about exercise, but now we're getting to know that work could actually be a research methodology. Wow, interesting. And a couple of interesting things to see that even it's, it's a form of creating awareness about the uh, program and how it's going to help them to meet able to interact with the program. Very interesting. So can you tell me what, what why did you choose this method? 
to engage with your with your with the community. Okay, so we chose this method because we we see that um, sometimes people um, do not in the program people are not carried along. Mm -hmm. So we decided to say, okay, how can we engage community members where we have different uh, category of people in the community, bring them together for them to put heads together and um, provide uh, structures for us. So we, we did this method for participation, equity, where there are youths, there are men and women, there are um, other community members that will represent the whole community. So this uh, method was chosen because it was a very good source of um, community engagement strategy. And also, and also to add that the, it, it is going to be based in the community, not somewhere else. Wow, that's wonderful. So it's actually the, the desire to engage the people to ensure that there's equity in the mass administration of medicine was actually the reason why you chose this method. Quite interesting and useful. So yeah. can you tell me what, what did you have, what did you achieve with this method? Did you achieve what you wanted? Yeah, so we achieved a lot. One, I said earlier, yes, one, uh, one I said earlier, awareness, okay. advocacy. Also, we were able to document the different structures that will be used for mass administration of medicine and other processes of um, the neglected tropical diseases, which will be able to help for effective planning in the, in the tropical disease program. So we achieved a lot, we were able to document, and even this, um, these were evidences that we presented to the state um, health actors for them to be able to use for program planning. So we achieved a lot. Wonderful. That's interesting. So you're, in other words, you'll be able to, you're able to create awareness and even be able to understand how to solve, the, you're able to solve the challenge of inaccessibility to some of the groups of people who have not been able to assess MAM initially. That's quite wonderful. So I, I would want to know what um, what evidence or data did you produce for your, for your research, for your project? Okay, so, so all the structures that um, we documented, we're able to put them into a, uh, a, a document and present to the health actors for them to use during planning. So, for example, we had the different structures. We, we found out the challenges that people encounter, people that are not having means, why people have not been reached before. We all put this together and presented this um, evidences mm. in the document to the health actors. Wow, that's wonderful. So did you experience any challenge at all while trying to use this method? Can you share with us? Yes, there are some challenges. It was a very interesting method. So sometimes in the community, they might have a very long um, major route in the community, which was very tiring. People had to long walk for long distances. Um, at the end of the day, they tend to get tired. So their inputs will kind of, from the beginning, everybody will be eager to talk, you know, but at the end of the day, when they get tired, you see people tend to be quiet. And also, one of the challenges is that um, the sometimes the 
the work becomes a little bit rowdy because committee members want to know what is happening. Mm. And then you have to pay attention to hear, to listen to what people are saying. So there are some of the kind of challenges that we encountered. Oh, wow. I can see. So how did you manage to handle these challenges during your study or your projects? Okay. For the, for the longer routes, what we do, when, before we start the work, we asked um, the community members to give us uh, a route that they know that we can handle, that wouldn't be too long, but we'll be able to get um, our results. So sometimes uh, if the, but if we go on the walk and it gets interesting and people still want to continue, we just make sure that the main um, results have, have been gotten and then they can even suggest, I can stand from here and say, you see over there, when you take your right, you will get uh, the structures are there and all that. So we're able to manage that. And also for the crowd, the people that are coming with us, we just um, made sure that we documented, uh, we were close to people who were, who were initially with us to be able to document and listen to what they say. And we had even volunteers, other people who decided that, okay, we could help you um, write out some notes. Um, for example, if we cannot listen to everyone, so there are other volunteers that are able to write out notes for us. So at the end of the day, it was still good. Wow. I see. I can see. So my final question before I hand over to Kim back, or, or I will need to turn the question to Lorette about our own method, is that, did you experience any moral or ethical issue while trying to use this method that you want to share with us? Okay, um, yeah, not quite much, just about um, some people, Charlie, um, youths or women, they had to seek for permission from their uh, head of houses, uh, their husbands to join us. So at the end of the day, some were not able to join us, but because they weren't given permission, but few of them joined us with the permissions of either their community leader or their husbands or head of some households. Wow. So there's really not much um, ethical, legal, moral that could affect or impend us or anybody that wants to use this method. Very good. I'll, let me go over to Lorette. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to add about the challenges we also encountered, um, some areas had um, insecurity, so we weren't allowed to go to those places. But what we did was to sit down with the stakeholders to tell us about the why, why there are just um, insecurity challenges in that place, and if there are any, the kind of people that live there, how these people can be reached. So we're able to document that, even though we didn't go there. Oh, good. I think security, security is very key, because if we are not safe and live, then we can't conduct our researches. I want to go back to you, Lurette. Thank you for being so patient with us. So can you tell me or tell us about the method you're presenting today? OK, thank you, Akin. Community mapping, also known as social mapping, 
uh, a little different from what Noella mentioned. Instead of um, engaging leaders, we had different groups that were disaggregated by age and gender. Now, these different groups consisted of the women group, the youth group, and the men the men's group. So that um, you would have older males in one group, younger males, and the older and younger uh, groups that I've also mentioned. So since they're disaggregated by gender and by group, they can actually come together and begin to draw maps. Sometimes in you can use it collaboratively with the transect walks or as a standalone method to say, okay, we've now seen these structures in the community. Can we come together and draw maps of this community based on what we have uh, experienced in the transect walk? What is what structure is found here? We ask questions around who uses this structure? You know, how frequently do they use this structure? And the interesting thing about um, social mapping and community mapping that I experienced from this um, study is that people can use context appropriate materials to draw their maps. In one instance, we had people using stones and sticks and leaves to draw their maps. So in essence, this very engaging and innovative method actually includes disaggregating people by gender and age to achieve our aim of identifying structures here in mass administration of medicines that are existing or could potentially be used for program implementation. Wow, that's interesting. Wow. So, um, what do you, well, what were you able to achieve using this method? What are the key things or key findings using this method? Well, we achieved uh, potential structures that were already, you know, in place for program implementation and also those that are existing. But interestingly, since we disaggregated our participants by age and gender, you would find out that, for example, the younger youths were saying, oh, we could engage like the petrol station for administration of medicines. And you would find out that the uh, maybe older women would be like, oh, you see the marketplace, there's a well. We could engage that particular structure that is existing for maybe uh, mobilization and sensitization in terms of program implementation. So in terms of what we achieved, we achieved equity and we got um, the voices of different parts of the community as it applies to them in structures that we could potentially engage for program implementation. Wow. So in other words, you were able to use this method to, to identify structures that can actually be used, you know, for the different mom administration processes. Quite interesting. So can you tell me... Um, what evidence did this, this um, method produce for your project? Okay. Like, okay, like my uh, Noella mentioned earlier, we got a lot of outputs that we can use to improve program implementation. But I can say that the engagement between the communities, the researchers, and program implementation was strengthened. The community understood that, oh, their voices can be heard. We can be a part of this. And this transcended into those program implemented implementers at the district, the state, and the national levels. So we also developed and built the capacity of the program implementers at that level. Because through these methods, 
innovation, newer structures helped us to better our program implementation and to carry everybody along. So there are many outputs that have reached the national level that we hope can be scaled up on a wider scale in the country. Wow. So interestingly, already some of these findings are already being taken up or being used, the structures that can be used by, uh, by the program, by the MAM program within this uh, state and the country where you have implemented your research. Good. Very interesting. So did you experience any challenge at all while trying to use this method? Well, interestingly, you know, there's no method that doesn't come with challenges. So yes, I think Noella has mentioned some in terms of it could be time consuming, but very specific to the community mapping. Some people were losing interest. Um, some people will be like, oh, I'm getting tired of this. And then some people were dominating the map drawings, while others were a bit silent. There were arguments here and there. No, this structure can be used here. No, I think it should be like this. So how we overcame the challenges were encouraging the community that it's yours. You give us these maps. You tell us what is being done here. And remember, everybody's voice counts because the aim of our project is to leave no one behind. So we want everybody to be involved. And it's great that we disaggregated them by age and by gender. But even in those disaggregations, there were those arguments. But we solved them amicably. And at the end of the day, we had very beautiful maps that could tell us, wow, these are potential structures that we can use for program implementation. Interesting. I could imagine how uh, per persons at the community level were engaged in map drawing. This is wonderful. So was there any issue around moral or ethical in making use of this method? As if people want to make use of it, what would you want to tell them they need to check or look at? For? Well, I would say... Okay, I would say we had few of those moral and ethical challenges. Noella has taken some of them, but I realized that there were some people during the mapping that were asking for monetary incentives. And we know that um, in research, we usually compensate the time and the efforts of our participants, which we did by giving them the commensurate transportation support and feeding support that is standard. So aside from that, I don't think we went through many of those moral issues apart from what Noella has mentioned. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Lorette and Noella. It has been wonderful to hear these methods, which I think are be very useful to people out there who are longing to use such method, especially to engage with the community. I will now hand over back to Kim. We'll take you through some next question. Over to you, Kim. Thanks. Thanks, Akin. Thank you very much. And thank you, Noelle and Lorette. And I think just to kind of make clear for our audience, these are two different methods. And Noella, you talked us through transect walks, which is a physical walk through a community to identify structures in a live setting by pointing and saying, this is used or interact with different populations and different groups, which you told us about. And the way that people interacted with those structures, you were able to capture. And I think what you were saying is, you documented these using notes sometimes and sometimes audio, um, and that became your data, which provided evidence for the program. And then, Lorette, thank you very much. You told us a bit about social mapping, and I, I think the difference between those methods from listening is that while transect walks is walking through communities, uh, social mapping is 
uh, a drawn map where people come together and they draw a map and on that map there's different structures. And I think for me what's really interesting is you use these methods together um, and you know triangulated them as well. Um, I just wanted to ask you Noella, what was the thinking behind using both transect walks and social mapping to identify structures? Why did, why did you use both of those methods instead of just one? Noella? Okay, yeah. so we chose uh, to use these two different methods so that one is a map and one is a physical, physical work in the community. From using them, for example, for using the maps, people will be able to to draw a, uh, a structure, uh, we have a diagram, which at the end of the day, we could compare towards the, the people that use the transfer work. It's, it's for a, a means of comparison to see how different sets of people have been able to put down structures and, and then we can mesh them together and see that this, um, evidences will be, will, be, will be used in the program. Lorette, would you like to tell us a little bit about why the two methods were used in, in, in conjunction with each other? Okay, remember the transect work is like a more practical work that included leaders in the community. And then when we took that practical work that we audio recorded, we wrote notes on, we came together again with another disaggregated group within the community. Another voice added to our transect work that included the men, the women, and the youth of the community. So if something was missed in the transect work, it could be identified in the community map and vice versa. So to give that, to give equity a chance, to give the voice of gender, and to give the voice of um, different groups within the community to be able to identify collectively their own felt needs, we decided to use these different methods. One was practical and one was more hands-on that had more detail that we might have missed in one um, method or the other. Thank you very much. So I think, you know, what's, what's interesting here is Transect walks with community leaders and kind of, um, people in the community who had influence and then the, the drawing of the maps you used with kind of community members that didn't have that leadership role and that these would identify different structures. And by separating those groups, um, you talked about dominance um, in those groups as well. And I can imagine balancing that power was really important in terms of ensuring that people were able to speak and confident to speak as well. Thanks very much. Um, I've learned a lot already, and I think these are really useful methods to understand um, environments and um, social and cultural aspects. And I can imagine the data you got was very, very rich. And I can imagine other researchers wanting to use this, these methods, one or both, as you have done in their context. So I just want to ask you a uh, final two questions, and we'll start with um, Noella, if that's okay. What advice would you give to people who are thinking about using or adapting this method in their context? Noella, anything else to add to that? Anything that we can do as researchers to better connect with communities? I think I agree what Lorraine has said is engaging people from the beginning or to the end and also have review meetings with them to hear if they are actually they like the research um, methods that we have used, if they have any challenges. And if they can even, even take it up on their own 
to also build capacity of other community members who are with them. So it's a good way of connecting people and it, it reaches a wider audience at the end of the day. Thank you, Noella. So I'm hearing capacity strengthening at all levels here, you know, from the state, from local level implementers, but also strengthening the capacity of communities so they can have ownership of the research process. And it sounds like these methods really kind of transferred data collection to community members so that they could produce evidence for program development in a way that suits them. So I thank you both so much for um, talking about Transect Walks and social mapping today. I think I've certainly learned a lot. Um, and is there anything else you want to say before we close this episode? For me, I'll say thank you very much. And if you want to know more about Transfer Walk, you can email me or get in touch with me. Anything to add, Akin? Well, thank you, Kim. I think it has been an interesting time to hear the two um, or two invitees talking about the methods they've been using to engage the community to participate and, you know, um, particularly as regards mass administration of medicine. It's very interesting for me. And I think it's a method that anyone interested in, you know, who has been experiencing the challenge of, of, of a mom could actually make use of this method to increase accessibility within the community. Thank you very much. It has been a wonderful time. Thank you. So that I've learned so much today and I, I've learned also a lot about context of Nigeria and how important it is using these methods. So, you know, you've both talked about the importance of considering gender insecurity and different ways to connect with people who are in secure areas. And you, you know, Noelle, I thought it was great that you brought out that context that if a place is insecure, you know, do look at other ways of connecting and, and documenting in those areas. And um, I've also, you know, learned very much about the steps involved in these methods and, and you've described them very well. But for our listeners, if you want to know detailed description of these methods and how you can adapt them in your own settings, the link to the participatory um, toolkit where this method is described, both these methods are described, is in episode one um, blurb. We'll try to put it in this one as well. And Lorette and Noella, thank you for offering to be contacted as well. Your, your contact details will be in the blurb below. And the Countdown Consortium that you've been working on, the link, if you want to understand that program a little bit more, will be in the blurb as well. So thank you very much for listening. The next, next episode, we're very excited to hear about Photo Voice. It will be based in Liberia and Nigeria. So do connect with us for the next episode. And thank you both once again. Bye-bye. <laughs>